Welcome back to the Unless the Seed podcast series, episode six, our final episode in this short little series. We started recently, and the gospel activates generosity. The gospel activates generosity. I want to conclude this week's episode by just challenging you again that the gospel message of Jesus Christ is not a message that's just going to activate salvation only. It's going to activate freedom. All those things are massive, massive truth and a blessing. But also what the gospel does is the gospel activates generosity. And I'm going to show you that today because if we serve Jesus, we cannot be stingy people. God so loved the world that he gave. Our greatest example is God himself, who's not a stingy God, but a generous God. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, Romans 2 verse 4. And I want to say to you today as well, as we conclude the series, as a child of God, we should be the most generous people because the gospel activates generosity. Can't wait to be with you on the other side of this. Well, episode six, the gospel activates generosity, our final episode in the short series. You know, a few years ago, I was reading the scriptures and you know what it's like when you read the Bible, we know portions of the Bible as we are maturing in our walk with Christ and suddenly something jumps at you. And this scripture verse just jumped at me the one day that I was reading, and it was all about in Galatians 3, where Paul writes first in verse 13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. So we know the old covenant, Jesus redeemed us from the curse that was under that old covenant, and now we're in the new covenant. He became a curse for us. Then he went on to say, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, we read that, we go, okay, the blessing of Abraham, okay, and we go, yes, okay, so I'm blessed. What is it? I don't know what that really means, but okay, I'll receive that, I'll accept what it means. But then the Lord took me to this verse, a few verses back, in Galatians 3 verse 7, and it says this, it says, therefore, no, Galatians 3 verse 7, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now we know, speaking of Abraham, sacrificed Isaac by faith, and then instead of him actually having to go through with the sacrifice, God gave him a ram in the bushes behind him because Isaac was never meant to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. It was a type and a shadow. But the Bible said Abraham was willing to give up his son by faith. And verse 8 says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God, would justify the Gentiles by faith because we are saved by grace through faith. So we, when we hear the gospel, we say yes to Jesus and then we are saved, not by ourselves, but by faith, grace. It's the grace of God, the mercy, the blood sacrifice of Jesus, but by faith. We have to believe. We have to say yes. So the Bible says this. Let me repeat that verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all nations shall be blessed. And I went, wow. I'd read my Bible many times before, and just, but just some, for some reason, that verse just jumped at me. It says, he preached the gospel to Abraham. So we call the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the four gospels, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke 4.18, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And you go, okay, well, the gospel belongs to Jesus. That's that. That's the time, that's the part of our Bibles, that's the gospel. But then Galatians, Paul writes, and he says, but the gospel was preached to Abraham. So I thought, wow, how's the gospel preached to Abraham 
if it only came with Jesus. And then I went and looked. What did he say to Abraham? When did he say this to Abraham? And I went back and I looked. Genesis 14, verse 18. Let's have a look at that. It says, Then Melchizedek, now I'll show you in a moment who Melchizedek is, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And we know Jesus brought out bread and wine at the Last Supper. For he was the priest of God Most High. We know Jesus was our high priest that went behind the veil, split the veil, and gave up his life for us. And verse 9 in Genesis 14 says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he gave him a tithe of all. And I went, wow. So Melchizedek, a type and a shadow, which the writer of Hebrews opens up for us. And let me show you that a little bit in this episode. Hebrews 7. So let's talk a little bit about Melchizedek. Who's this guy? Where does he fit into the picture? The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 7 says this, Hebrews 7 verse 1. He says, this Melchizedek, telling us about that Genesis 14 scripture verse I just read to you, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all that he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. Now we know Jesus is what? A just God and we know Jesus is the prince of peace. Verse 3, the Bible says this, Hebrews 7, There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Now, type on a shadow. He had no mother or father. Now we know that Jesus had a mother, Mary, but his father was not Joseph, although the father to his other brothers, but Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary was the carrier of that perfect seed sacrifice. So that's why a type and a shadow again, Melchizedek had no mother and father. So that's why Jesus had no real earthly father. So it's a type and a shadow. Now we see that verse 4 says this, Hebrews 7, it says, Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. And so the Lord started just taking me on this journey that the gospel, so now, if Galatians 3 tells us that the gospel was preached to Abraham, and we see that Melchizedek was the guy, the type and a shadow of the Christ that was to come. Remember, your Old Testament is very full of examples of a type and a shadow of what was to come. We see Abraham, Isaac, sacrifice the lamb, thicket, sacrifice your son. God was going to sacrifice his son later on. We see different types and shadows throughout your, your Old Testament leading up to the place where Jesus becomes the ultimate, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So your Old Testament and your New Testament are attached. They're connected to each other. But we're not, Christ is hidden in the old and is revealed in the new. But notice the story of Melchizedek leads us to what our episode is about today, that the gospel activates generosity because when Melchizedek went to Abraham and blessed him, Abraham's response was not, thank you, pastor or priest or Jesus or God, whatever it is, whatever the whatever medium God uses to get the message across to you. The Bible said he responds by giving him a tithe of all. So it speaks of what? It speaks of the gospel message activated generosity 
in Abraham, that he gave him a tenth. And that's what should happen to us. If you've heard the true gospel, if you've heard the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for you, if you heard about the good news that Jesus became a sin offering for you and I, if you heard about the fact that 1 John 4 says, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, for as he is in this world, so are we. So if we understand that when we die one day, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but we're going to miss the judgment because he was already judged for us. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. So we are in Christ at salvation. We get a new identity in Christ at salvation. That's why we don't live with a fear of being judged one day because Jesus was judged on our behalf. And this is the gospel message that we preach. We have to tell the world, Stop being sin-focused and be sun-focused, the Son of God. Stop telling uh, everyone about the size of your sin and tell them about the size of your Savior. Why? Because a type and a shadow of a, of, a, of a Christ that was to come in the form of Melchizedek comes and he speaks to Abraham, and Abraham responds with generosity. Abraham responds with a tithe of all. Notice the Bible said he came back from a war with kings. We go to the marketplace and we battle and we fight and we war to get market share, to get advancement, to get increases, to get contracts and tenders signed. It's a type and a shadow of, a, of going into battle. And when we come back with the spoils, with the commission, with the sales, with the salary, with the contracts, with the tenders, we should then instinctively, because we are so grateful for what Jesus has done for us, and because he's given us the ability to be the possessor of heaven and earth through what he has done for us, we should respond through generosity. And notice, Abraham responds. He gives him a tithe of all. So, I want to say to you that the law tithe of Moses was required because of the stinginess of the Israelites that came out of Egypt. It was also, they had a slave mentality, they had a need-minded mentality. They were told when to eat, when to sleep, when to drink, what to wear. They didn't couldn't think for themselves. Four generations that were stuck in Egypt as slaves. So when Moses delivers them out of Egypt, they stuck with a slave, a need-minded. We covered that last week, a need-minded mentality versus a seed-minded mentality. And so what God does is he says, I'm going to have to get these guys to open up their hands. So he instills a law tithe of Moses. So in verse 5 of Hebrews 7, it says, Now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who were also descendants of Abraham. And verse 6 says, But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tenth from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed the blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. So notice, the writer of Hebrews says, Moses forced them to give a tithe, but Abraham willingly gave a tithe. Remember, the Levitical tribe was the priestly tribe. Only they could do what they needed to do for their, their requirements to fulfill the law. And so what happens is when the writer of Hebrews tries to explain the difference between Moses and Abraham, he says Moses forced people to give because of a law, but Abraham, before the law was given, a thousand years before the law was given, before Moses, Abraham gives a tithe out of generosity. Why? Because he heard the gospel. The Israelites never heard the gospel. They heard the law of Moses. They heard the Ten Commandments. They heard all the do's and don'ts. Abraham hears the gospel, bread and wine. Blessed are you, Abraham, uh, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And Melchizedek blesses him. 
So Jesus has come to bless us. He hasn't come to curse us. He became a curse for us. And I say this in the conclusion of the series to put a bit of meat to the bones of understanding why we should be generous people. We are generous because we have the greatest example of someone who is generous. But the gospel message must activate generosity in us. If you don't want to do more for God or you want to give more, you want to bless more, you want to release more from your life, you haven't heard the true gospel. Because notice what happens in Luke 4.18, Jesus' very first sermon, Luke 4.18 and 19. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach Good news, to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what is good news to a poor man? That there is hope in tomorrow. Blessed are you, Abraham, of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. You're going to be able to possess things on this earth, have dominion over, buy a house, buy a car, travel overseas, live a life. I've come that you might have life and enjoy your life. Superabundant in quantity, superabundant in quality. God wants you to have a great life. He doesn't want you to be under the hammer, the cosh of debt and condemnation and guilt and struggle. No, he took every curse upon himself. But our response towards that message of gratitude is, hey, the least I can do is bless you with a portion of my possession. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase, Proverbs chapter 3, that your barns may be filled with plenty, that your business deals, customers, clients, tenders will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Wine in the Old Testament was an indication of prosperity. Jesus turns water into wine. Why? He breaks bread and wine. It's a sign of prosperity. It's a sign of fulfillment. I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. Why? Because I have come to fulfill everything. I am the completion. I am the fullness Paul writes and he says, I want to come to you in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fullness of the blessing. It's not a half measure. It's a full blessing. Why? Because Jesus gave his full life, his full body. Didn't give his arm and his leg. He gave everything. So I say to you today, the gospel is a message that must activate generosity in you. You shouldn't have to be taught, yes, initially taught generosity, taught giving, taught your first fruits of increased tithing. You should be taught that. But once you're taught that, you shouldn't have to be forced every week and every month and monitored with a stick. and a No, we should be the most generous people on the face of the earth. Why? Because the gospel released the tithe from Abraham's hands. The gospel is a message that activates generosity. You should be a person itching to say, Lord, what can I do for you? What can you use my life for? The purpose and the power of seed. Seed is the source of life on the earth. Seed is the source of life. Seed, seed. Be a seed-minded Christian. You're not a need-minded Christian. You're a seed-minded. God seeded his need by sending Jesus, and Jesus seeded his need by giving his life. Then he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit, and he gave us permanent residence on the inside. Now, yes, you will be challenged. Yes, there'll be trials and tribulations. Yes, there'll be difficult days. Yes, there'll be trials. Why? Because Jesus said so. In this lifetime, you'll be challenged, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. So we don't give for victory. We give from victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Why? Because as he is in this world, so are we. How is he? Well, he was in this world. The word became flesh and the world word dwelt among us. Now, he's now died, buried, raised, ascended, and is seated. So that's how he is now. He's seated at the right hand of his father in victory, 
having all dominion, all power, Ephesians chapter 3, over all principalities and powers. And we are seated with him as well, Ephesians chapter 2. He's made us alive together with him, and he seated us in heavenly places with him. So as he is, so are we. So how is he? He's victorious. He's overcome. He's defeated sin and death. He is in victory. So if we are with him, then we are victorious. But while we're on this earth, we have got faith to live by. We've got gravity to continue. We've got interest rates. We've got all kinds of things, people that are unsaved. We've got all kinds of challenges that we're going to face on a daily basis. And the way we overcome that is firstly, we take every thought captive when the enemy wants to tell us we're going to fail. And we bring it under subjection, under the subjection of what? Of Christ. We bring it under captivity of Christ. What do we mean? Not we try and empty our minds and think of nothing. We remind ourselves of what Jesus did. He overcame sin and death. So we bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ obeyed every requirement of his Father to fulfill the law that was needed in order for us to be perfect. He fulfilled that. It is finished. Now, every time you go through a battle, don't you not, oh, I wonder if God's for me or God's against me. He's always for you. Why? Take your thoughts captive. Bring it under the obedience of Christ. Think about his obedience, Romans 5.19. Through one man's disobedience, Adam, all became unrighteous. And through one man's obedience, Christ, all became righteous. So you had nothing to do with being disobedient to God. You were born with an Adam nature, which is instinctively disobedient to God. But you also had nothing to do with the obedience to God. That was Christ. So when we believe in his obedience to his Father, the Bible says you shall be saved. Not if we believe and we do. No, we believe in his obedience. And when we believe in his obedience, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. That's the new commandment that's written on our hearts. Believe in love. Not the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is not written on your heart. It's the Old Covenant. That's been abolished. The Ten Commandments is still very much alive to those who are not saved because the Bible says the law, 1 Timothy 1.8, the law is good if used lawfully against the fornicator, adulterer, etc., etc. But we that are in Christ, we have a new creation. We are new creatures. We have a new identity. And it's not identity we gave ourselves. It's an identity we get because we put our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, we now carry the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And that spirit is a generous spirit. It's a giving spirit. God gave. Jesus said, unless I sow my life as a seed, I'll send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. So we should help. We should sow. We should give. We should tithe. We should give portions of our first fruits of our increase. We should help build buildings. We should help uh, people start businesses. We should give to charities. We should give to our, our care ministries. We should help poor people, build people a house, buy, help somebody start a business, fill people's cars with petrol. Pay for people's flights overseas. Bless somebody with an overseas holiday. Make things happen for other people because Christ made things happen for us. He gave us access to the Father. We come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't come with heads bowed low and groveling for oxygen and groveling for life. No. He became sin that we might become. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we thank Jesus every day. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Come on, child of God, as we conclude this series, unless the seed, why God does not want your money. Never see tithing as money. Never see giving as money. Never see anything as money. See it as seed. I'm going to be a seed-minded Christian. Don't see a tank of petrol to a person as, as petrol. See it as seed. 
Don't see money as money. See it as seed. Don't see your words as words. See it as seed. Choose your seed correctly. Choose your seed wisely. Because whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. A seed will produce a harvest similar to its kind. Seed your need. God says what? A seed is found inside itself. Inside of you, there's words that can come out of your mouth. Choose your words. Speak words of life. I declare this is going to be my greatest year yet. I declare this is going to be my greatest month yet. I declare my marriage is blessed. I declare my husband is blessed. My wife is blessed. I declare my children are blessed. I declare my future is blessed. Why? Be a seed-minded, life-speaking, life-giving Christian. And when God prompts your heart, give. Give and it shall be given. Bless. Bless and give. Give. Bless. Help. Grow. Impact people's lives. We have been the greatest example. The gospel activates generosity. Come on, child of God. I want to speak into your spirit man today, not into your mind. I want to speak into your spirit man. Never allow the enemy to tell you you can't. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And as you make things happen for others, watch. God is going to make incredible things happen for you because he's a good father. And if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more won't our Heavenly Father give us the promise of the Holy Spirit? Won't he give us good gifts? Have a great week. As we start our new series very soon, I'll announce that shortly what our new series is going to be. But I'm super excited for what lies ahead for you. I trust that the series has challenged you. Listen to it again if you need to, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the purpose of this little booklet is not just to try and get money from anybody. It's to try and teach you the power and the purpose of seed. You are a seed-minded individual. And watch what's going to happen. God is going to take you to levels that you've never understood before. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor enter the heart of man. 1 Corinthians 2.9, the things which God has laid up for those that love him, but they're revealed by his spirit. The Holy Spirit, seal this word, seal the series into the hearts of the listeners, and may they grow from strength to strength, and may they impact people's lives tremendously. Use their lives for your glory. Bless them beyond measure. Bless and increase them. And As you bless and increase them, let generosity flow through them. And As they are generous people, I pray you continue to bless them in every way of their life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Have an awesome day, week, month, and I'll see you soon. Be blessed. Amen.